a Pantry Studio production. These are the Mountain Mysteries Chills. We hope you'll get into the fall spirit. It's an October exclusive that you'll only find from the Mountain Mysteries. Visit our homepage at www.themountainmysteriespodcast.com. And also don't forget to join our conversation on the Discord server. And of course you can join us for the gatherings each Thursday night at 8 p.m. on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and other platforms. This is Chill Number 2. The Bell Witch. John Bell, a farmer from North Carolina, along with his wife and children, settled in northern Robertson County, Tennessee in 1804. Their farm consisted of 320 acres of rich farmland that laid along the Red River. Well, they lived a quite peaceful life there for about the first 13 years. They were members of the Red River Baptist Church where John became a deacon. The family grew and became somewhat prosperous. In the late summer of 1817, something would happen that would change their lives forever. Some members of the family began seeing strange-looking animals around the property. The haunting began sometime in 1817, when John Bell witnessed the apparition of a strange creature. It resembled a dog. Bell fired at the animal, but it disappeared. John's son, Drew Bell, approached an unknown bird perched on a fence that flew off, and he stated it was of extraordinary size. The daughter Betsy observed a girl in a green dress swinging from a limb of an oak tree. Dean, a person enslaved by the Bell family, reported being followed by a large black dog on evenings that he visited his wife. Activity moved to the Bell household with knocking, heard along the doors and walls. The family heard sounds of gnawing on the beds, invisible dogs fighting in chains along the floor. Well, it was about this time that John Bell began to experience paralysis in his mouth. The phenomena grew in intensity as sheets were pulled from the beds when the children were asleep. Soon, the entity pulled hair and scratched the kids with particular emphasis on Betsy, who was slapped, pinched, and stuck with pins. It seemed that Kate had two main reasons for visiting the Bell home. The main one was to kill John Bell. For what reason? Well, no one knows. Because Kate never gave a reason why. The second reason was to stop John's youngest daughter, Betsy, from marrying a certain neighbor boy named Joshua Gardner. John Bell Sr. and Betsy Bell seemed to be the two most frequently abused by the witch. For reasons that to this day remain uncertain. The witch adamantly opposed the union of childhood sweethearts Betsy Bell and Joshua Gardner, frequently resorting to ruthless taunts and physical abuse. Joshua and Betsy remained attached, but she put off marriage in fear of the spirit's reprisal. The witch's attacks on Betsy were not all related to her relationship with Gardner, and the constant threat of the witch began to affect her in such a way that she became prone to fainting spells and smothering sensations, often appearing exhausted and lifeless. Her experiences were not confined to the Bell property either. Betsy later described one incident. She said, When the spirit became so tantalizing, filling my mind with horror, 
and causing me to become so nervous that my parents often sent me to my neighbors to rest for the night. My first night away from home was spent with Thinny Thorn. When we retired, there came a loud knocking on the outside of the door which seemed to fly open and a great gust of wind was felt. Thinny sprang up all at once and lit a candle. To our surprise, the door was not open. Then, a voice spoke softly. Betsy, you should not have come over here. You know I can follow you anywhere. Now, get a good night's sleep. A soft, pretty hand patted my cheek, and the voice again assured us that we would not be disturbed anymore that night. The rest of the family often attempted to give Betsy relief, and family friend Frank Miles promised to protect Betsy from any further abuse by the spirit. Betsy said, Frank was the most powerful man any of us had ever seen, and just as fearless as any living man. One time he said to me, Come sit by me, little sister. Nothing will bother you while I am here. The witch responded, You go home. You can do no good here. The witch then began abusing Betsy, slapping her, pulling her hair, and then as she turned on Miles, knocking him over and enraging him. The family was terrified but kept the problem to themselves for over a year. And when things became intolerable, John confided in a neighbor, James Johnson. He invited Mr. and Mrs. Johnson to spend the night, and after retiring for the evening at the Bell home, Johnson was awakened that night by the same phenomena. That morning, he told John Bell that it was a spirit just like in the Bible. Soon, word of the haunting spread, with some traveling great distances to see the witch. The apparition began to speak out loud and was asked, Who are you and what do you want? As the voice answered feebly, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. The spirit offered diverse explanations as to why it had appeared, tying its origin to the disturbances of a Native American burial mound located on the property, and sent Drew Bell and Bennett Porter on an unproductive search for buried treasure. With the emergence of full conversations, the spirit repeated word for word two sermons given 13 miles apart at the same time. The entity was well acquainted with biblical text and appeared to enjoy religious arguments. As another amusement, the witch shared gossip about activities in other households and at times appeared to leave for brief moments to visit homes after an inquiry. It once stated that it was the witch of a neighbor woman named Kate Batts. This is what many people believed, and from then on, the unseen force was called Kate the Bell's Witch. John Johnson, a son of James, devised a test for the witch, something no one outside of his family would know asking the entity what his Dutch step-grandmother in North Carolina would say to the slaves if she thought they did something wrong. The witch replied with his grandmother's accent, Hut-tut, what has happened now? In another account, an Englishman stopped to visit and offered to investigate. On remarking on his family overseas, the witch suddenly began to mimic his English parents. Again at early morning, the witch woke him to voices of his parents, worried as they had heard his voice as well. The Englishman quickly left that morning and later wrote to the Bell family that the entity had visited his family in England. 
and he apologized for his skepticism. Family friend William Porter claimed the witch climbed into bed with him, allowing him the opportunity to seize the spirit in the bedclothes and attempted to throw it into the fire, saying only the immense weight and terrible smell of it prevented him from succeeding. At times, the spirit displayed a form of kindness, especially towards Lucy, John Bell's wife, who had once said that she was the most perfect woman to walk the earth. The witch would give Lucy fresh fruit and sing hymns to her. The spirit even showed John Bell Jr. a measure of respect, referring to John Bell Sr. as Old Jack, though he had had long, intense conversations with the witch, but he never failed to show his animosity for it, declaring it to be the spirit of the damned. Many believe the witch was not showing a true kindness towards Lucy and John Jr. by not beating them. They accused the demonic entity of being abusive mentally, tearing down the happy family around them. It was mental abuse to force gifts upon a strong mother while her children and husband were being beat and physically harassed. Well, as time went on, John Bell became weaker and weaker. Kate finally accomplished her mission for coming to the Bell Farm. As the abuse continued to impact his psyche, Bell took to his bed and was cared for by John Jr., it was on December 19, 1820, John Bell failed to leave his bed, and John Jr. went to the cupboard to retrieve the medicine for his care. Instead of three medicine vials, he only found one vial, and it was one-third of dark, smoky liquid of unknown origin. The voice of the witch gloated. It's useless for you to try to relieve old Jack. I've got him this time. He will never get up from that bed again. She claimed of the vial that she gave old Jack a big dose of it last night while he was fast asleep, which fixed him. The contents of the vial were thrown into the fire and erupted into a blue blaze. John Bell died December 20th, 1820. The bell which crashed the funeral, disrupting the service and singing body drinking songs. And then in March of 1821, young Betsy broke off her engagement with Josh Garner. Betsy continued to endure the spirit's abuse, and after calling off the marriage to Gardner, Betsy was eventually courted by and married to her former schoolteacher, Richard Powell. Despite the apparent abatement of the witch's torments in 1820, she left the area with her husband and settled in Mississippi. Kate then bids everyone farewell and promised to return in seven years. And she did. She came back in 1828 for a few short weeks, during this visit, she came to the home of John Bell Jr. and had long talks with him about the past, the present, and the future. She made some predictions for the future. Kate also said there was a reason for John Bell's death. However, she never said what that reason was. After the second visit, she said that her next return would be in 107 years. That would have been 1935. But some believe that she... Kate never left the area at all due to the strange things that have continued to occur in and around the town of Adams and the Bellwitch Cave over those many years. Though it played a relatively minor role, in the original Bellwitch legend of the early 19th century, the cave on John Bell's property has since become a focal point for visitors hoping to experience a bit of that haunting themselves. Oh, you better be careful. You may get what you ask for. Several incidents occurred near the northwest corner of the Bell Farm, 
The cave incident involved a little boy who accidentally got his head stuck between two rocks. After the child had yelled for some time, the entire cave lit up and invisible hands tugged at his legs. Well, his head was freed and he was pulled all the way back to the cave entrance by Kate. There is other history associated with the cave as well, and it's registered as an historic site. It was added to the National Historical Registry in 2008. The cave is the only original feature from the legend that can still be seen today, largely unchanged from the way that it was when the Bell family occupied the farm around 1817. In the manuscript attributed by Richard Williams Bell, he wrote that the spirit remained a mystery, whether it was witchery, such as afflicted people in the past centuries and the darker ages, whether some gifted fiend of hellish nature practicing sorcery for selfish enjoyment, or some more modern science akin to that of mesmerism, or some hobgoblin native to the wilds of the country, or a disembodied soul shut out from heaven, or an evil spirit like those Paul drove out of the man into the swine, setting them mad, or a demon let loose from hell. I am unable to decide, nor has anyone yet divined its nature or cause for appearing. And I trust this description of the monster in all forms and shapes, and of many tongues, will lead experts who may come with a wiser generation to a correct conclusion and satisfactory explanation. A Pantry Studio Production. <laughs>